0: You're listening to This is Yoga Therapy. I'm your host, Michelle Lawrence, and I've had the opportunity to interview many of those who are making a difference at the intersections of yoga and health, and I'm here to share with you their stories and conversations. Thanks for listening. In today's episode, I interviewed Caitlin Holzapple. Through the journey of healing of her own PTSD, Caitlin channeled and created Somatic Yoga Therapy, an integrative healing art form that gently and effectively alchemizes trauma into soul power, which she is most known for. Over the past eight years, Caitlin has helped thousands of individuals through their journeys of healing sexual trauma, emotional trauma, anxiety, and depression with somatic yoga classes workshops, retreats, training, and therapy. It's so great to meet you and have you here on the podcast today, Katie.
1: I am really grateful to be here with you, Michelle.
0: So let's begin with a bit of your background. I'd love to know where you're from and what got you originally or initially started in yoga. I am
1: from Colorado, born and raised, still live here in Northern Colorado and my journey into yoga really started when i was quite little with my dad my father is also a yoga teacher and would practice yoga when we were little however mostly when we were growing up it was more so on the side of meditation that we were taught and, and encouraged to do so that was infused into my life from a really young age and as i i grew older and um, through different life experiences i had i developed different mental health imbalances, issues and came back to yoga in my in a deeper way in my late teens and went pretty all in. I was been really called to working with the body ever since I was very, very little. I've been very active, a dancer, a mover, very expressive, very just in love with movement arts and movement. That's probably a deep reason I was called into yoga more deeply. But of course, also the mental health, the mindfulness piece, the physical health piece. And as I began to practice more and more, I started having very profound experiences that made me hungry to keep diving deeper and deeper and deeper into my training and then into yoga therapy and then from there into deeper somatics. And as all of this is happening, I'm also really working on unraveling, unpacking some of the life traumas that my body had been holding and that I wasn't even cognizant of before this journey even began. I didn't realize how much my body really was holding from traumas in my childhood and adult life even and an experience of really diving deeply into a deeper connection with the body and the mind and the heart and this beautiful, rich tradition of yoga, which I've been really, really passionate about since I started studying it. The philosophy and the language and the postures and the breath and all of the different components to yoga, I just got really, really deeply invested and deeply intrigued by it all. And the deeper I went in, the the more I started to really get to know myself and also really understand some of my unfolding patterns and blockages and nervous system, habitual states and wiring. It's been very rich, complex, profound, and so powerful to be in this journey of studying this path as a student, as a healer, and a teacher too. It's very profound. mm mm-hmm.
0: So I'm wondering if you might say a little more about it. I I know that you're pretty open about the fact that you're a survivor of sexual trauma. And I'm I'm not saying you need to say more about that. But I'm just wondering more specifically, how yoga helped you heal from this as a way to really just kind of share that message to others, right as a option for healing and empowerment as well.
1: Yeah, there's so much to say about that. I think one of the like first light bulb moments I had was when I was first really starting to practice yoga more deeply, I was in a yin or restorative class and had what I like to call my first in my body experience, where I felt so deeply connected to my physical form and sensations and and emotions and self and also was able to access a really balanced parasympathetic nervous system state for the first time that I could consciously remember, at least. And that was one moment where I was just like, uh-huh. whoa, there's something really, really here for me. And of course, that just kept deepening and expanding and, and growing into other forms of, of healing as well. That was just like a very first moment, kind of at the very beginning of this journey. And as I went deeper and deeper and had a deeper understanding of the nervous system and trauma. And that was something I was always just very intuitively called to look at and to to study. And it just really pulled me in. Nervous system, trauma, somatics, there was something that was really, really calling me. And I think a part of that was the parts of me that really needed it. So especially in the realm of healing from sexual trauma which is also relational trauma it has a lot to do with relationship with trust with being able to be in in the body and in relationship with your sexuality your sensuality all of these really important qualities of the nervous system have directly to do with sensuality and relationship and whether you feel like you can trust the environment that you're in or the people that you're around so There's a lot that comes up in this realm for me and for many of the people that I work with. And so that's really a big portion of the work that I've done and that I do is really befriending the nervous system, working with the nervous system, rather than how many of us are conditioned to kind of work against our biology and work against our body. So we befriend it and get curious and allow the body to guide us into the healing that really needs to happen. So there's a lot of organic unraveling and unfolding that it's different i feel when working with trauma it's different than you know going to a yoga class every week at the gym and that's true of yoga therapy in general right it's much more like the yoga is being customized to the person rather than the person customizing themselves to fit into the yoga practice that's definitely true with trauma and healing the nervous system there's definitely not a one size fits all approach for it. And for me, a lot of it has revolved around feeling safe enough to connect with my body, increasing safety through nervous system harmonizing techniques and vagal nerve toning techniques, which is working with the vagus nerve, the chief parasympathetic nerve also learning how to really trust the wisdom of the body that knows how to alchemize that knows how to process digest and discharge that for so long i was really resisting and that many people resist because we're kind of wired to and taught to not trust our bodies in certain ways and that can be as simple as even what i see in a lot of yoga practices nowadays is this idea like we need to really like relax and relax and relax and just keep doing things that really relax the muscles and turn on the parasympathetic nervous system. And that is sometimes actually not what's needed. Sometimes we need to actually move toward tension. Sometimes we need to move toward activation. And it's so dependent on the person and what's happening in each moment.
0: Mm -hmm. I totally hear you. Yep. It's so typical of well, I shouldn't say typical, but maybe that is the right word, where we learn something in our industry and then it's like, okay, let's do it all the time here. This is good, right? Versus like, okay, it's good for some people some of the time, but it's not the only thing, right? And I think that's just an example of what you describe there. And and it also speaks to why yoga therapy is so individualized because one person with trauma doesn't need the same thing as the next person with trauma, or one person with back pain may not need the same thing as the an, another person with back pain, right? Which I think makes it hard for research <laughs> and efficacy, but I think it is what makes it so powerful and empowering is all the things that go into that individualized approach. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And it does a
1: bit of a disservice to people when we see these like cookie cutter, one size fits all, like here's the steps to healing your trauma. Just follow this one, two, three, four, five, and then you'll be there. Cause I know for many people that actually just with how our nervous systems are wired, what is one person's medicine can be another person's poison. And so it's really a journey of calling oneself into deeper relationship, knowing yourself, trusting yourself, listening to your body's wisdom and responses and that takes quite a high capacity of being in the body and connecting to the different sections like interoception, feeling sensations inside of the body, extraception being aware of the senses like smell, touch, sight that connects you with the environment, proprioception, feeling where your body is in time and space and that's what yoga in general is so good at building for people is really increasing awareness of what's happening inside the body, especially in, in interoception and proprioception.
0: Yeah. And I imagine too, there's got to be a lot around the setup, the relationship you have with the client, the container in which the therapy is happening. Like, There's the process, if you want to call it that, or the poses or the practices or the things, right? (laughs) The tools, because I know it's more than poses, of course. But if people are thinking about, okay, what's happening in this space of yoga therapy where folks are working to heal trauma? There's tools and techniques, but there's all the other stuff, all the other stuff that needs to be trauma-informed, needs to be cared for, needs to be individualized. And I imagine you you really must be bringing that all the time, right, if this is the area that you're working in.
1: Definitely. And I'm so happy that you bring that up because it is such an important part of the healing path too. again, especially with sexual trauma, but really any traumas are bringing you into such a state of vulnerability and oftentimes that's connected relationally. I mean, not all of the time. It can be like just pure physical trauma from a surgery or from a car accident, but a lot of the deeper emotional traumas are really relational in nature. So just the action of like taking that first step of like, okay, I'm going to go and work with somebody on this takes huge amount of trust and vulnerability and can bring up a lot of edginess and protectiveness and so yeah it is really important to have awareness around that and what that means for each person is is very individual so there does have to be a lot of awareness around space holding
0: and how you show up yeah so i'd love to speak about this word somatics just to hone in on what you mean by it because you you use the word and i know it's a pretty popular word out there right now in a few different fields, right? In the field of somatic experiencing, which is more in the realm of psychotherapy. Oftentimes there's the field of somatics within yoga, Eleanor Criswell and Hannah, I think it's Thomas Hannah, right? And so when you say that you use somatics and yoga together in what you do, can you be more explicit about what you mean there? Yes, I love this question too, because
1: it is, it's a word. I mean, that unless you're really in this industry and in this world, for a lot of people don't even know what it really means or what it's referring to. And then when you do start to understand, there's a lot of different pathways of somatics that begin to open up because somatics in the, in, at its core is just kind of a generalized word that means in relationship with the body, the inner body, like connection to the body,
0: trusting the wisdom of the body. So that's, So all yoga could be, right, somatics, right? Yeah. Or all physical practices of yoga, shall we say? Yep. And especially
1: those physical practices where we're bringing more awareness in the body because you can have a yoga practice and still be kind of...
0: Disconnected.
1: Disconnected. Or same thing with like any physical experiences. Sometimes people will go to the gym and will be moving their bodies, but not really connected to how their bodies are feeling and what's happening inside and so that's a big core of what the somatic industry brings is just more connection to and rooting into the wisdom of the body. So that's really simple. It's like learning how to feel your sensations and emotions and learning how to feel your body. And then as you mentioned, there's kind of what I see as two subgroups underneath that. There's more of the somatic psychotherapy realm and then there's more of the somatic movement education realm. And I really blend both of those worlds together in my practice, I've studied clinical somatics. And that's the tradition from Thomas Hanna that you were referring to a little bit of Feldenkrais as well. They're not as much and Feldenkrais was Thomas Hanna's teacher. And what's really interesting, though, I was actually just really going on a deep dive into the history of somatics the other week. It's like when we go back to like the very, very core and the origins of somatics, whether it's for psychotherapy or more movement based, they all really come from the same space and are really related. So it's, I feel what the next stage is in the somatic industry is bringing those two worlds together even more so. So I've seen a lot of like psychotherapy, where They're weaving somatics into the therapeutic process, like really checking in rather than just talking about stories like, where do you feel this in your body? How does your body respond to what you're sharing right now? And that's a piece of somatic psychotherapy. And then in more of the somatic movement realm, it's really about movements and how the body orients, feels, and experiences different movement patterns usually, which are very, very subtle, very, very slow, very in alignment with working with the nervous system rather than just the muscles but there's sometimes not a full translation to more of the like emotional components or emotional traumas though so you can work with them without necessarily ever having to talk to go them. into those stories yeah or to talk about them but the practice that I do really blends both where we're using more somatic movements and we're not necessarily going into storytelling at all but there is a lot of awareness similarly to in somatic experience they use a model called the what kimberly ann johnson if you're familiar with her she's a somatic experiencing educator and she created this model called the times channels these are the different kind of channels of experience that might come up in a therapeutic container so the t is for thought so this is different layers of like what comes up in terms of what you're thinking what your belief system is, even as deep as like if we're connecting to a sensation in the body, like, oh, I have tightness in my chest. Working with the thought channel might be, okay, well, if this tightness could speak, what would it say? And so that's the T of times. We also have I, which is more image. The image channel might be different memory fragments that come up, but also the symbolism of image. So for example, someone might see a symbol of A raven during a session, and that might not have a lot of meaning to it initially. However, usually when these symbols are coming up, if we can just stay with them where the images are coming up, there's some sort of connection with the work that's happening, and we don't have to necessarily cognitively understand it. However, usually later on, if it's not clear immediately later on, there's like more clarity around, oh, like that's what that image was, that image that came to me. Some people are way more developed in the image channel than others. I know for some people that I work with, they're highly, highly visual. And I have other clients who are like not visual really at all. But that's the image channel. And then we have M, which is movement. So this is where we're weaving in more of if the sensation could move your body in any certain way, how would it move? So let's take that tightness in the chest again. It might be like, oh, this is really actually wanting me to curl up into a ball. And rather than what so many of us do most of the time, even in our yoga practice, which is like, okay, we're going to kind of like resist that. And I'm going to try to just sit up or sit up really, really tall and move away from that contraction. What we do is actually allow that movement to fully happen. So, okay, you want to curl up into a ball. Let's let, let's let that really happen and notice how that shifts what you're feeling inside of the body. So that's the movement. And in, in the movement, we'll also use like, pandiculation practices, which are from Thomas Hanna, again, that's moving toward contraction, actually letting your muscles squeeze and contract, and then very, 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 very slowly releasing that contraction to more fully allow the body to release in a deeper and more sustainable way than a lot of stretching actually does, or just trying to relax again and again and again. Like, for example, if someone has a lot of tension in their shoulders Typically the taut impulse that we have is okay, like my shoulders are tense. I just gotta relax them. Just relax, roll your shoulders down your back, and then five seconds later they kind of creep back up. It's like, okay, let's relax them again. Rather than than doing that, we're actually gonna lean into the tension a little bit, let it build to a a, a sustainable peak, like something that feels not too intense enough to fully like process and be with, and really, really slowly release that. So that's one piece in the movement channel that might come up, though there are other aspects here too, like sounding, making sounds, different ways of breathing, eye movements. Sometimes there's tremoring, like automatic tremoring that comes up for people where the body just starts naturally really, really shaking. And I find that when I work with this channel, it's really connected for many people with most like a shamanic journey headspace or the same kind of brainwaves, the theta brainwaves that we go into when we... Are in yoga nidra, who the body is just like organically moving and unraveling, and it was really powerful to work with that channel. From there, we have the final two emotions and sensations. So, emotions being feelings and emotions, of course, and then sensations, your
0: felt sense. Very cool. Yeah, I loved that. I actually am not familiar with that model, and it just makes so much sense, and how all the different aspects of yoga can fit as tools to help facilitate each of those channels, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, they remind me sometimes like in connection with the kosha model too. And yeah, there are definitely different yoga tools that are directly connected with each of those channels, which is really cool to, to see. And from what I've studied, what's really fascinating and cool to me is how yoga at its core and naturally, especially, you know, like the origins of yoga feels enormously somatically oriented to me and like it's the field of somatics which is relatively new especially compared to yoga at least in like how we think about it with our western mind i actually think like somatic practices have been in existence since the beginning of time they just feel so intuitive and like primitive and natural but like as we like have created this western structure around them they're pretty new conceptually I think it's fascinating that a lot of the science and the research in connection with, with somatics is also like, this is the same thing that has been done in, in yoga for so long.
0: Absolutely. I know. And and when it is studied more and it whether it's studied through sort of, okay, how does this polyvagal theory pertain to trauma, right? And then where does yoga fit in? Or EMDR, like all of the different things that come out there, there's just been so there, there are so many connections that we can make to various things that the ancient ones have been practicing under sort of this body of knowledge that is yoga, right, for a long time. But it's cool to weave them together and to see how helpful they can be. And I think this is why there is so much interest in yoga therapy from the mental health side of things these days. It naturally fits in that way. I'd love to know a little bit more about what you offer. I mentioned a few things at the beginning in the intro there, workshops, retreats, training, and therapy. So would you tell us some more specifics about some of the things that you do for listeners who might be interested in learning more from you or checking you out. And of course, I will provide links in the show notes so people can see that too on your website.
1: Yes. So I have a myriad of offerings currently. The one where we can kind of go the the deepest, the quickest, I would say would be one-on-one work, which can happen online or in person. And this is really oriented to working with the nervous system through somatics in a similar way that I just described with the times channels, The these sessions are just so powerful, beautiful. I love them because every single one is so, so unique, and really based on what each person's body is telling us and meaning and communicating and very powerful. And in, in these sessions, we kind of focus on two different main components. One is harmonizing which is more of the like side of things of increasing bandwidth which is what many of us need to focus on before we can actually move toward any trauma integration is let's increase the bandwidth of the nervous system let's get you feeling more safe to actually connect with the body because that in itself can be very very intimidating and scary and intense and sometimes overwhelming especially if you have PTSD or are just working through some really intense experiences and feelings inside And then once there's kind of more of that baseline setup, which can take, it can take time for sure to build bandwidth, to find more groundedness and resilience in the actual nervous system. But once that's more online, we can go more into the realm of embodiment, which is getting a little bit closer to the sensations in the body, doing some more of the release work, which again, might be through sounding through different movements that want to happen. There might be Shaking, breath work, these sort of things that actually are going to help to start alchemizing some of the blockages and residual traumatic imprints left in the body. So that's my one-on-one work. That's really what I'm oriented on and focused in and helping people in that container. And then I also have group settings where we do this work more in a group container, which can also be enormously deep and healing for the relational self. And so the relational practices, but also practices where we're doing some of this harmonizing and embodiment work in a safe and held group container that then we can process together as a group. And so kind of more in the realm of group processing, group therapy, retreat sort of style. So I have one retreat coming up in Mexico next April called the embodiment retreat. And that's really what we'll be focusing on there is more group practices, which will be In the realm of Hannah Somatics, but also some deeper emotional somatic processing and yoga and breath work and group work, partner work, these sort of practices. And that retreat is just for women too. So, really great opportunity to start diving deeper into this connection with your own body, with your own self. And then finally, offer training. So, I have a 200 hour yoga teacher training that is really somatically oriented and focused, quite different from a lot of other 200 hour trainings where. We're actually learning more somatic sequences and somatic relations with the posture, some basic work with the nervous system, and then other foundations that are connected with a 200 hour or two, just in the realm of really starting to dive into this world of yoga. And a somatic yoga therapy program, which is a year-long program, learning more of, around how to blend some of the work in, in this realm of somatics and yoga therapy. So it's really teaching people how to do what I do with individuals one-on-one. Great. I love it.
0: So last question, which I ask everybody and it gets a little personal, but it's oftentimes so illuminating. And I think really empowering for folks to hear this. I'd love to know about your own personal practice, right? So we put a lot of emphasis on that with our trainees and inner peace yoga therapy, like have your own practice first, have your own practice first. If you want to do this work in the world, you need to do it for yourself first right i have a daily practice and have for a long time it's evolved through the years certainly as i've gotten older but i'd love to know a little bit about what your daily practice looks like assuming you have one
1: i definitely do and it also evolves depending on what's happening in my life and what i'm going through and kind of the day too like some days i'm more physically oriented because It has been so helpful for my mental health to like actually get my heart rate up and there's a lot I could say too about that in terms of the nervous system. But so some days it's
0: it's more And I was gonna say something about that before too, right? You know, heart rate variability is what we're going for, not just the, the low heart rate. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we talked about that a little bit earlier on, like with how so many people just want to, you know, tone the vagus nerve and relax and lower Down their regulate. heart rate. Yeah. And, yeah, actually, we really need to do the opposite also in a healthy way. So that's a big part of my practice. I feel lately, on um, I have a daily practice for more of my own nervous system and emotional health. And a lot of that's actually the same foundation of what I do with people one-on-one, but I'm kind of walking myself through it on my own where I'll do my movement, yoga, asana, or some sort of dance, which is also a big part of my background and connection is expressive dance and moving to music and shaking and These sort of practices, I'll usually start with something more just to get my physical body kind of going and flowing. And then when I'm ready and needing, I don't do this necessarily every day, but probably at least once a week when I'm needing just a little bit of a tune up, I'll just lay back and kind of walk myself through a bit of a somatic process, which is scanning through my body and naming sensations aloud, which in and of itself is already integrating the left and right hemispheres of the brain. If we can just Say, I feel the texture of my fluffy slippers on my feet. I feel a little tension in my solar plexus area. I feel some dryness in my throat. Just doing that, especially naming it aloud, is really important. I know people can get shy around saying things aloud, but that's a really important piece for bringing the the mind and our thinking brain more into connection to the present moment with what we're feeling and really anchor ourselves. I'll usually do a scan of something like that and then locate what I call a core sensation. So of the three that I just named, like the slippers on my feet, the dryness in my throat, the tightness in my gut, the core sensation, the one that feels like the strongest, like it's really carrying more weight right now, or that is asking for more attention would be that tightness in my solar plexus. And so I would go toward that and even get to know it a, a bit more deeply in terms of like, okay let's really describe this feeling even more completely. So it's a tightness in the solar plexus, but it also feels kind of like a black bowling ball that's sticky and gooey. So you can go through all the time channels and kind of describe how those relate to that sensation and identify what is the need and the impulse in that sensation. It might be a certain way of breathing, a sound, a movement, could be anything. It depends on the day, but I'll spend some time and really let that energy move and flow through me and then come back to some sort of resource and grounding. And This is a big part of like what the process I do actually looks like. And I'll say that with an asterisk too, because I've been doing this for a really long time and my nervous system has way more bandwidth than it used to. And so if you know, you're know you listening to this and you're new and you have trauma or PTSD or a really sensitive nervous system state, it's not something I would necessarily recommend that you dive into doing that by yourself right away because experiences can have charge and be activating and if you're not aware of or resourced or held enough to be able to come back down it can be a little bit too much too soon but that's what I do because that's what I've found has been the most helpful for me energetically and physically and emotionally and eventually that's the stage that I want to help get my clients to as well as like there's enough bandwidth that they can start doing this process on their own when and if needed As, like, maintenance or upkeep.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin. I find you so incredibly wise in your young years. And I so appreciate all that you've shared with our listeners here because there's a lot there to chew on and to learn from and hopefully folks can seek you out if they want to work with you individually and and continue down their healing path. So thanks so much for being with us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: If you'd like to learn more about who we are and what we do, visit us at innerpeaceyogatherapy.com.